Vice Admiral Kevin Patterson, Chief of Naval Operations, stared intently at one of the large view screens lining one side of TFS Navajo's Combat Information Center. Rather than a simple live feed from a single source, the image represented the combined inputs from a dizzying array of sensor types, all focused on a single target and seamlessly presented in real time by the flagship's AI. Bridge, gunshy. Patterson announced, using the call sign he had earned for himself years ago due to an unfortunate incident at the firing range. Gunshy, Navajo Actual. Go ahead, Admiral. Came the immediate response from Flag Captain Ojima Davis, who had just hustled back to the bridge from his quarters after finally getting an opportunity for some much-needed sleep. If the AI's projection is correct, our friend out there is coming straight at us. Go ahead and break orbit and attempt an intercept. I'm not sure how much difference it will make, but if we need to maneuver, I'd prefer to be out of Earth's gravity well. Understood, Admiral. Nice and slow, Captain Davis. I'd like to give the impression we are coming out to greet an old friend, not confront an intruder. Gunshy out. Within seconds, the ever-present background rumbling noise on the CIC increased slightly as Navajo's colossal sublight engines throttled up to begin pushing the mammoth 950-meter-long heavy cruiser out of Earth orbit. Powerful cani thrusters mounted with varying orientations throughout the Navajo's hull allowed her to execute a gentle banking turn in the direction of the approaching Polaran ship with an easy grace that seemed to contradict her tremendous size. Watching an external video feed of the maneuver, Admiral Patterson couldn't help pausing to stare for a moment. Though she was nearly double the length of the largest ocean-going vessel ever built, Navajo executed the maneuver with much of the same nimble agility possessed by the much smaller Ingenuity-class frigates. I need an emergency action message for immediate fleet-wide distribution, Patterson announced, without turning to look in the direction of the nearest communications console in the CIC. Hearing no response, he wheeled around to face the young ensign, who appeared to be transfixed by the drama playing out on the various screens, as if it were a particularly interesting cable news feed. Ensign, he bellowed, uncharacteristically raising his voice. Ensign Katie Fletcher jumped involuntarily, her normally fair complexion flushing bright red, as she realized the Admiral had actually been speaking to her. Yes, Admiral Patterson, sorry, sir. The CNO raised a bushy eyebrow and regarded the young ensign momentarily. In spite of his irritation and the urgency of the current situation, a distant part of his mind quickly recalled a long list of similar transgressions committed by a young, particularly thick-headed ensign, once known as simply K.P. The old admiral stifled a chuckle and shook his head to let Fletcher know that she should consider herself duly chastised. It's all right this time, Fletcher. If a sight like that doesn't make you want to stop and stare, I think TFC may not be the right line of work for you. Hoo-yah, sir. Hoo-yah, indeed. Now let's get to work, shall we? With the enthusiastic help of a now fully alert Ensign Fletcher, Patterson took just over a minute to compose and transmit the following emergency action message. Z-2129. Top Secret, Magi Prime. From... CNO aboard TFC flagship TFS Navajo to EAM for immediate TFC fleet-wide distribution. Info. Polaran Guardian spacecraft approaching Earth. 1. Spacecraft believed to be Polaran Guardian approaching on-orbit TFC fleet assets. 2. Imperative that ships and orbital facilities take no provocative actions whatsoever. 3. 
set status of all civilian spaceflight operations to terminate until further notice. 4. TFC assets hold all launches and on-orbit flight operations until directed by flag. 5. Assume all transmissions monitored by Guardian spacecraft. Admiral Patterson sends. TFS Ingenuity, approaching Earth orbit. 8.5 times 10 to the 4th kilometers from Earth. Captain Tom Prescott trudged aft towards Ingenuity's flight deck for the short shuttle ride over to Admiral Patterson's flagship, feeling like a man on the way to the gallows. Less than 24 hours earlier, he had taken his ship into battle despite explicit orders to avoid hostile forces altogether. Orders issued by Duke Sexton, Commander-in-Chief Terran Fleet Command, immediately before his ship's departure. Although his frigate's participation in the battle had not been entirely by choice, Prescott couldn't help but wonder if the Admiral would view the situation in the same light. The Battle of Gleese 667, as everyone now seemed to be calling it, had been against two ships possessed of vastly superior firepower to his own that had been illegally commandeered from the Sageth Collective, a seven-world alliance already teetering on open hostilities against humanity. Although the Collective had officially initiated diplomatic relations with Earth via Ambassador Nainir Terlaka, she had been obliged to deliver potentially catastrophic news as one of her first duties upon arriving in the Sol System. Powerful political and military officials, in open defiance of the Sageth Collective's governing council, had plotted to form a splinter group known as the Polaran Resistance. Their stated goal was simple— Humankind could not be allowed to achieve military dominance in this region of the galaxy as a cultivated pawn of the powerful Polaran Alliance. Leaders of the resistance movement had asserted for some time that the Polaran Alliance had repeated a pattern of conquest by proxy countless times across a vast region of space stretching many thousands, if not tens of thousands, of light years. Through an apparently elaborate process, the Polarans chose single civilizations, in this case the humans, within a region of space to rapidly advance within a relatively short period of time. Once this process began, the Polarans invariably continued to provide their proxies with technological and military assistance until such time that no other civilizations within a 500 light-year cultivation radius could stand against them. All other worlds within this sphere of influence were then left with a simple choice of either subjugation or destruction. Given such a bleak outlook, it was easy to understand why so many within the Sageth Collective sympathized with the resistance. Unwilling to accept the will of either the Polarn Alliance or their unwitting proxy, the resistance offered another option, a preemptive military strike against the Earth in a last-ditch effort to halt humanity's progress before it was too late.